0: What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another episode of our Big 12 in 30 Days theme. And we are joined by, man, he is he, he, one of the busiest man's, men out there, publisher of Red for rivals, co host of Tech Talk on Double T 97.3. And he's also the sideline reporter for Texas Tech football. And he also calls Texas Tech basketball. Chris Level is joining us today, and I just want to say I appreciate you, man.
1: Zach, I appreciate you having me on, man. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to doing this, and uh, you know it's a fun time of year as we kind of gear up for college football here in a few months.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, but I want to go ahead and recap last season. The Red Raiders finished 4-6, and six, but there were a few games where I felt like there were a few missed opportunities where they really could have won two or three more games if a play here or a play there go the other way. Did this past season exceed, fall short of, or meet your preseason expectations?
1: The first question I have, though, is over your shoulder, is that Cadillac Williams' jersey? Yes, love that is that there is not a better nickname uh for a running back than Cadillac so anyway uh I, I just I want to I want to make sure we got that out of there real quick because I, I felt like man I can't I can't just not not acknowledge uh, Cadillac <laughs> over your over your shoulder um you, you know I I think uh first of all last season was weird for everybody just because of uh you know the you have a non-conference schedule. You toss it out. Every conference was doing all these different things. You're you're not real sure what's happening, who's available, and and I think that that obviously got Texas Tech a bit in that they played every game that was scheduled. There there were games where they had four healthy defensive linemen. Uh, you you had games where you're missing a lot of your specialists, uh, which is tricky. You're, you're, I think, mean, let's see, there was a game where you're missing your punter, your deep snapper, and I think you, you're starting kicker, and you had to, to, to do some different things there. This is what everybody was dealing with. Uh, and so last year was weird, so we acknowledged that. And so not much was – it was hard to kind of figure out what expectations should be. There's no home field advantage I and mean, all that stuff. So I, 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 I say all that to just make sure that we understand – it's just weird. Uh, I think that Texas issue last year was you, you, you didn't have good quarterback play bottom line. And I think it, it there was some spurts where it was good. Uh, you didn't stay healthy at that position, namely Alan Bowman. And then, to your point, Zach, you, you you dropped a couple of close games because if you have better quarterback play and you figure out a way to win a couple of those close games, we're having a different conversation here. And I think the the conversation around the offseason and coaching staff and all that stuff is just completely different. But that's the sport. Uh, you know, you, you've got to figure out a way to, to win some of those close ones because a lot of them are. And bottom line is, if you can't play quarterback well in the Big 12, it's hard to win games, is the, the way that this conference runs uh, offensively. So, those would be my thoughts there.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was one game we covered. I believe it was the Texas game where it was like Texas wow. Tech dominated that game. And that, that, that game, if you look at the, just the box score, Texas Tech was that game by 20. And that was like one of the big ones I saw. But you talk about quarterback play. Alan Bowman has been at Texas tech for a few years. He's off to Michigan now, but Tyler Shaw comes in from Oregon after just winning a PAC 12 championship to join that quarterback battle. Just in terms of what you've been hearing, who is your favorite to be quarterback one for the red Raiders in 2021?
1: Yeah, Zach, it's Tyler Shuck. I mean, I think that he, he, so here's the, here's the weird thing about that. So Bowman, they were probably going to try to add somebody into that quarterback room via the portal, even before Bowman announced that he was going to transfer. And uh, I, I think once Bowman, you know, decided to, that he was going to enter the portal, that made it certainly paramount. They liked their freshman, They like Henry Columbia. However, they wanted somebody with some experience they wanted uh, they wanted somebody that they they felt like they could lean on for a year or two while these freshmen grew up. And, and I don't know if anybody around here thinks that Henry Columbia can be a, a bona fide starter and take you to the postseason by starting twelve games. And he's not bad. He's just like one of your one of your hardworking, non sexy, really solid backup type QBs that can that can bail you out in the pinch and he's athletic and all that stuff. So, Chuck, he checked all the boxes it's amazing to me that knowing all of this they get a guy that had power five experience that was a top recruit in uh, you know out of high school and all that stuff he's got all the measurables he's 6'4", 220 and he's a power five guy like it's not like you're 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 asking some somebody that had played at this level of competition and so Sonny Comeby the new offensive coordinator here that that change was made in the offseason He prefers a more athletic type. Well, Shuck definitely checks that box too, because he can run around and extend plays and do all those things. But here's the most amazing thing is, is that Oregon's, you know, like school system works on these quarters. Okay. It's not like a normal fall and spring semester and all that stuff. So he was in class until like, he didn't technically graduate until I think it was like early to mid March. So, They figure out a way to where he can graduate, and they kind of adjusted their spring uh, practice schedule to where he he only missed two practices, and he was here for 13 of the 15 practices. So you get really all of these things, because, I mean, there was some thought, hey, we're going to take his commitment, but we may not get him until mid-May, early June, whatever. But no, I mean, he's been here for 13 of the 15 practices. And he was swimming a bit, like trying to process the new offense and where's the English building and where do I go for, you know, to eat? Where, I mean, all that stuff. It's just he gets dropped in the grease here quick. But yeah, he, he, he would be my bet for QB1, Zach. There, there's just no doubt. I think that that's the plan. Uh, I, you know, I would say it's his job to lose. Henry Columbia had a great spring and it's not going to make it easy on him. But ultimately, Tyler Shuck will be the guy. Yes
0: yeah he he's a stud man when i that was one of the most for me at least the most surprising transfer of the offseason, just after you win a Pac-12 championship, just to say, all right, I'm packing it up and heading elsewhere. That was crazy. But I want to shift to the other side of the ball. There's this narrative surrounding the Big 12. I've been vocal on this podcast. I hate this narrative because it's not true anymore. But that the Big 12 is all offense, no defense. But we see Oklahoma put out a top 30 defense. Baylor, Iowa State have all had really good defenses. For me, though, there were times Texas Tech struggled on that side of the ball this year, but then there were games where they showed flashes of a significant improvement, in my opinion. For you, what is the next step this unit needs to take to be one of those Big 12 schools that you're just like, man, where did this defense come from?
1: Yeah, you know, to the first first point you made, I, I would say that the defenses have caught up with the offenses. This was such an offensive league, coaching quarterbacks, all that stuff, the defenses have caught up everybody runs a lot of the same stuff and the defenses have just gotten better. The way you recruit it, you, the, the, the schemes that you run and, and everybody's not putting up, you know, 35, 42 points every single Saturday anymore. That's just those days are, are largely gone. Everybody runs the ball more now too, because you can't just, just throw it all over uh, because everybody's recruited so many good linebackers that can play in space and, you know, adjust their secondaries and, and, the, and those things. I, I would say with tech's group, this is some of the best defense that's been played around here, like last year, and I think the expectation is this year, in a while. And it's because, one, they're very old. There's a lot of – now, listen to what I say here. There's a lot of 5th year juniors and 60-year seniors on this de- wow. because of the the <laughs> pandemic. And we there, There's several of these, quote-unquote, super seniors that are on this team that would have exhausted their eligibility last year that decided to come back and play for Keith Patterson. I think that they kept this football team in a lot of games last year and they competed. They got dinged up. I, I mentioned to you earlier, there was a couple of games where you you literally have four healthy defensive linemen. So you, you, I think versus TCU, which you lost that one. It was a close one. You, you, you basically ran a two four five in that game just because that's what you had to work with. You had a lot of your linebackers healthy, but just not much. So Keith Patterson really adjusted and they compete. They play hard there is, there are absolutely some expectations here that uh, that this defense will will be the best part of what this football team is, at least for the you know the first part of the season, maybe the entire season. Now, what what makes them take the next step was one of the questions you asked. To me, that is not just keeping your team in a game. Can you help? Can you help your team win a game? Can you can you create turnovers and score off of those? Can you or, or how many strip sacks are we getting? How, how, many, how many pick sixes? How, how many times can we really uh, not just keep our team in a game, but how many times can we put points on the board or change the game with, with some key turnovers and takeaways and things like that? That's the next step, not just playing solid defense, forcing field goal attempts, mixing in a couple of takeaways and things like that. That'll be where they take a next step if there's one to be taken.
0: Right. And I mean, I think you mentioned like you this air raid attack had to kind of go away. I mean, West Virginia led the country in passing passing yards per game this year out of the Big 12, which was a crazy stat. They had a lot of good guys over there. But I want to get to Matt Wells, hired from Utah State in 2019. He brought, he reached five, I think five consecutive bowl games over there. He's entering his third year at Tech, and he's looking to improve on two four-win seasons that he's opened up his tenure with. What makes him such a unique coach, and do you think he's primed to have a breakout year this next year?
1: You know, I, I've gotten to be, uh, I've gotten to know Matt really well. Um, he actually lives fairly close uh, by me in, in Lubbock, and he's a great guy. And he understands that four wins here in, in two seasons is not. That's not what he signed up for. That's not what anybody wants. Um, I think Matt is very involved in all aspects of the team, but I think one thing I like about Matt is that he absolutely lets his coordinators do their job. He's not in the middle of, of Keith Patterson or Sonny Cumbie telling them, you, you got to do this, we got to do this, we got to, you know. And I think there was some criticism for him last year on some of the decisions, to, okay, when do we onside kick? Are we trying to, you know, like when to run a trick play and, and things like that? And, and sometimes you, you look like a genius or a dumbass. You know, that, that's what comes with the territory on if if the decision works or, or it doesn't work. Matt understands though that that's just what comes with the territory, and um, uh, I, I I like I like the aggressiveness that he coaches with. He's he's there to try to win. Unfortunately, when you when you flip the quarter up and it lands on tails like five or six times in a row, it's just it, – it, everybody gets frustrated. And, uh, and and I certainly understand that from the fan base standpoint. I think Matt understands, too, that this thing has got to start trending upward. Matt has worked very hard on the culture of this program. They've tried to be very meticulous and careful with the, the portal guys that they have brought in here because, you know, Zach, you've got – I'll forget some schools here, but a lot of schools are doing this, but Tech was doing it two or three years ago. I mean, let's see, Duke, NC State, Oregon. uh, I mean, it's it's, uh, A&M, Arizona. I I can can tell you all these programs that these players have come in from, and they try to be very meticulous with those guys and making sure they're the right culture fit and that they they are an asset to the team here. Not, Not we don't want to take somebody's cast off, I think Matt and his staff did a really good job there, and that's part of why the defense is old. Okay, and that's why I have high hopes for Tyler Shuck because they really haven't missed on any of these portal guys. And but to answer your question, I think you, you need to get to the postseason this year. You know, bottom line, and and it needs to be start trending up. Nobody's asking him to win eight or nine games around here this next season. But I think, you know, when it went in six or, or, or trending upward, they had a couple of unfortunate injuries in the spring with uh, Sir Roger Thompson and Eric Izutama that, that that just sucks. And and those guys are going to miss most of the summer. That was your best running back and your best receiver. So those guys should be back in August. But uh, but, yeah, postseason would, would certainly be the goal here.
0: Right. And I mean, you mentioned the transfer portal. That kind of leads me into my next question. National Signing Day wrapped up in February. Only 12 high school commits for the Red Raiders. But I think they landed eight, eight, seven or eight transfers out of the portal. And these transfers weren't just, like you say, random guys. These were Tyler Shaw had calls all around the country and a lot of these other guys did, too. How is Texas Tech so successful in the portal in landing some of the biggest transfers in the country?
1: It, it, it's just knowing people. You know, they, they took a linebacker. Like, and so recruiting classes look differently now. I think that when you when you look at recruiting classes now, it's just not the same as it used to be. Nobody's signing – love the March Madness Cup. No, nobody's signing uh, 25 high school players anymore, and then you redshirt half the class, all that stuff. That's just not how it works anymore. Like, for example, Josiah Pierre is a linebacker out of the University of Florida that they got here. He's got four years left to play, four years. So essentially it doesn't go on your recruiting class, but he's a, he's a longtime player for you. And everybody, almost everybody that they brought in here is, is got two or three or sometimes four years to play. Like Tyler Shuck, for example, he's got three years of eligibility left. So it's, uh, it, it, it's just a different situation. But I think it's just knowing people, your relationships. I think they try to talk to everybody they can on these kids, everybody down from their college coaches to the high school coaches to whoever they can, very similar to how you would recruit a high school prospect to make sure what are his issues? what what Why didn't it work there? Was it, did you not like him? Was it was he injured? Can you not do what you're asking him to do? All these things. Like Eric Monroe, LSU, is a guy that will be back here and, and be a starter in the secondary and and Matt kind of knew some of the flaws that Eric had, but they also knew the strengths were, and it's played out exactly like that. He's a great teammate. Uh, he's tough, and and does he have a hard time maybe covering on occasion? Yeah, but I mean, so but these are it's just it's just doing your doing a lot of the legwork there. But it's fascinating watching looking at a Texas Tech roster because as I mentioned to you, I just mentioned. I don't know, we're we're up to what, eight or nine different power five schools where you've just taken kids from, and it's just, it's fascinating. And a lot of these kids that should have graduated last year, uh, like Josh Berger is one, an offensive lineman, uh, Jacob Morgenstern, a linebacker, Rico Jeffers, Colin Schooler, came from Arizona. There's so many of them. They could have, you know, been done with this, but they decided to come back and be one of those super seniors. So that also... Uh, adjust the the class a bit, and I will tell you they they will still take more players in the coming weeks and months. There, there are they're going to try to take a receiver. They're probably going to try to take an offensive lineman. They're probably going to try to take a linebacker and probably some secondary help. And if you find the right defensive lineman, I think you're you're looking for one of those two. So you've got about five spots that you'll look to fill between now and when the offseason starts. So, you know, long answer, but uh, it's just a fascinating time in college athletics right now.
0: Yeah, and then with the announcement of the new uh, transfer rule where they don't have to sit out is another big one. I think we're going to see a huge influx of recruits and – you know, looking ahead to twenty twenty two though, the Red Raiders don't have a commitment right now, but it's still very, very early in the cycle. In the dead period, is set to end soon for official visits and things like that. What what positions are going to be the biggest needs? The need for the Red Raiders, and who are the biggest targets on their board?
1: You, you know, and that's uh, this offensive line will be will be something that they really need to to go after. Uh, you know, I think you're you're you know. I, I think too, like for coaches right now, you're not real sure. You're not real sure how many scholarships you will have to work with. Like, what what are my numbers? Because of what you just said, how many guys are going to leave us? And and and, and do we want to fill up a bunch of spots with high school prospects? Because what happens if we get a call from somebody that's taking advantage of this transfer rule and we recruited him two years ago and he's got three or four years left? Would we rather have this player? So it, it, it's, a, it's a moving target. I would say, though, from an offensive line standpoint position, that is definitely something that, that you, you, you want to, to hit hard. Um, and it's hard as far as the targets go, because I could tell you some high school kids the, the problem, though, is that you, you do you want to use up all of your available spots? Because you better have some spots when that phone rings or when you see somebody entering the portal and going, man. You know especially when you're you're like Matt these guys know they need to win right now and and a you know a, a high school prospect they may help you two or three years from now realistically or if I can get somebody that can help me right now you know and that that's that's the that's the not, so not to answer your question I'm giving you some names but I'm just saying it, it's a it's a murky weird gray area time frame in the sport right now and it's, it's somewhat fascinating and I don't know if it'll ever get recalibrated at uh, it, it all or not where where we get back to how it used to be or not, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it's it's just wild trying to pin down recruiting because it's so different, and it never stops you know all year round it never- it never really stops
0: yeah i i I think it's gonna i think it like you said it's going to get crazier before it kind of normalizes out if it ever. Goes like that, but I want to move to next season, fall 2021. I want to start with Are there any players that you know, myself or listeners might not know about that you think are going to be breakout players next year for the Red Raiders?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would say uh, I would say some of their outside receivers are all either freshmen or redshirted last year. Uh, J.J. Sparkman uh, is, a, is a name that I would definitely keep an eye on. I think Loic Fungi is a guy that I think is, is going to make some plays. They have a true freshman named Jaron Bradley that was very, very good, uh, especially with Izukama being out some of the summer. Those guys will really get all of the opportunities to play and, 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 and get the reps in the summertime. Uh, I I, I – think people need to remember the name of Taj Brooks at running back defensively. I think Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford are the two interior guys, I think are very, very good. I think that those guys have been in this program for two or three years. They they are very, very good. And then DeMarcus Fields is a is a guy that he could have he could have graduated and moved on to, but he's probably their best player in the secondary. But I think that like they, they bring in a Duke transfer named Marquise Waters. He is the one of the only guys they brought in that only had one year to play. I think they feel like that he's an all-conference type safety. He's an all Big 12 type guy. Uh, played all four years at Duke and took advantage of this. His previous position coach, Derek Jones, is here on the staff. But but he may be one of your better players on defense. And I think a lot of people are gonna be like, who who's this kid? You know, again, very experienced, but I think he's all-conference, uh, you know, type type guy.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely I I'll like the kid out of Duke. I definitely do. But looking ahead to the schedule, man, I'm not going to lie. There's going to be a tough road to travel, having road games against Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. While that opening game against Houston is never going to be a, an easy win for out of conference game. What is your ceiling and or floor for the 2021 team?
1: I think you can look at somewhere anywhere between five and eight wins. And, and and some of that's going to be dependent on what we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast. Does your quarterback play, is it, is it good? And, and, and is that guy stay healthy? It's been a while around here since you just had the same quarterback for all 12 games and the, and they played it up at a at a, at a decent to high level. Okay. Even Mahomes in his last couple of years here, he was battling through some injuries and, you know, and and, and things like that. So it's just been a while when you've had the same guy under center and and that, so much of that is just continuity. It's, it's rhythm. It's, you know, all all of that. And uh, so that, that needs to happen if you're going to get closer to the eight win as opposed to the five win, I think too, can, can you figure out a way to, to win the close ones? And so last year you developed a, you know, you have one of the best freshman kickers in the country. Uh, in Matt's first year here at Trey Wolf. He was a Luke Groza award watch finalist. I mean, he was a stud. And I, I think it was like 18 of 20 or 20 of 22, one of the, one of the two. Last year, it's just like he lost it and mentally just – and so you go to Kansas State, you miss a couple of chip shot field goals that keeps you in the game and maybe helps you win it. Uh, there There were some other kicking issues too. Then you start calling plays differently like, you know what, Let's not let's go for it here and not kick the field goal because we're not sure if we're going to make it. But and, and so all of that gets gets played out differently. So it comes down to quarterback play, you know, be, being better offensively in general, which comes to quarterback play, and just figuring out ways to win the close ones and not giving them away. You know, like the Texas one that you mentioned earlier. That game was was buried and put to bed, and you had them you had them dead to rights, and you just couldn't seal the deal. And you've got to be better there.
0: Right. I agree. I I think Texas I, – I think the Big 12 in general is going to be so competitive next year. I think Texas Tech is going to take a big step forward. Kansas State gets Schuyler Thompson back. They're going to take a big step forward. Of course, Iowa State and Oklahoma are probably going to be the favorites. TCU still has Max Duggan. I, I don't know what Texas is going to be. There's some question marks there. But I think overall it's going to be a very competitive conference. But last question, man, before I let you go – I haven't had a chance to go. I mean, I'm at K-State now. I graduated from Auburn. So I'm kind of getting used to Big 12 country right now. I haven't been to Lubbock yet, but I want to go. What makes Lubbock and and Jones AT&T Stadium such a unique environment on game days?
1: Yeah, you know – Lubbock is an interesting college town because it's bigger than most college towns. I mean, there there is in in the, in the, metro area, there's 300,000 people live here. So that's a big compared to some of your, you know, like Manhattan, Kansas, for example, (laughs) it's just much bigger than, but what makes it unique is that, you know, it's four hours from Albuquerque, four hours from Oklahoma city, four hours from the Dallas Fort Worth area. So it's kind of out here by itself. So you get a lot of, Midland, Odessa, a lot of Amarillo, a lot of Wichita Falls, a lot of Abilene. A lot of people come in from out of town and, and they make it a weekend. And when this thing's rolling, I mean, people show up, they're rowdy. Uh, they like to get back to some of that. Obviously, last year, no, not many fans were at any of these games. Um, and, and this is a, this is a town that absolutely supports a winner. So you, you need to do your part from a football program standpoint, but they will show up if you start winning and, and, and being more competitive and, and all those things. But it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a great college town. I mean, and this is a big school with mean, 40,000 and, you know, undergrad um, and, and like football and basketball games have got to be in Even, even baseball games here, like the, the season tickets are sold out. So people love their sports. They love their, their, their you know, their Red Raiders. And and as long as you're competitive and relevant, you know, the, the, they'll show up and be really loud and rowdy and all that stuff. You just got to give them something to cheer about.
0: I, I mean, a thousand percent. I feel like that's how a lot of places are. And I remember as a kid, I was pretty young. But when, when Michael Crabtree and the boys were balling, I mean, I remember watching, you know, a Texas Tech game when I was younger. I was like, man, that looks like an amazing environment. So I understand they were support winners. I know basketball, you know, has been really good recently. So, I'm sure the fans are excited about that. But I appreciate you coming on here, man. I'm going to give you a chance. Where can our listeners find you? I know you've got the website, the podcast. Rivals does a great job across all their websites. So where can they find you?
1: Yeah, you know, I do. I do uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm just kind of busy. This is a bit slower time of the year for me. But, uh, yeah, we do we do a radio show from 3 to 6 Central Time on Double T 97.3 in Lubbock every day. It's called Tech Talk. I've been doing that for 15 years I've been the sideline reporter for Tech football for, I guess I'm going on 11 or 12 seasons now. Uh, And Coach Tuberville, Coach Kingsbury, and now to Coach Wells. Uh, So I I started doing the broadcast there when Coach uh, Leach left. And then obviously we cover the the Red Raiders, mainly football, basketball, some baseball too, on a daily basis on redraidersports.com, which is part of the rivals.com network. And then, you know, obviously with, uh, let's see, Billy Gillespie, Chris Walker, tubby Smith, chris beard and now mark adams doing basketball stuff so a lot, a lot of coaches there uh doing the color analyst to work and so it's fun traveling around with the, the red raiders in football and basketball you learn a lot uh, about sports and coaching and life and you see people at their highest and their lowest that's just what comes with being around uh high level college athletics and it's it, it, it's awfully fun and very rewarding but I, I appreciate you having me on zach and you do a great job and you were nice to uh, have me on here
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We'll definitely be reaching out once it gets closer to the season. During the season, we'll have to get you back on uh, in the middle of the season. But I'm sure it's going to be an exciting season for Texas Tech. So guys, make sure to go check out Chris. Hit the website, the podcast, the radio show, all that kind of stuff. But y'all know where to find us, man. Two Minute Drills Monday through Friday. Uh, Big 12 in 30 days continuing later this week with Baylor, with John Morris, man. We're going to even talk a little bit of basketball with them because of the national championship. Well, they, oh, were guys, well, they were good. They were good. It made me sick that they had Davey and Mitchell from Auburn because I just I was like, I know how good that kid is. And uh, he just was absolute monster. But, guys, um, for myself, for Chris, and the Blue Bloods, man, we are out.